Thanks for listening to CarCast on Podcast One. Hi there, and welcome to The Inevitable. This is our new podcast where we're talking about the future of the car. This means everything from electrified vehicles to cars that drive themselves. Where are we going and how will we get there? I'm Johnny Lieberman from Motor Trend, joined by... Ed Lowe, and we are going to talk to some amazing guests. We have Reggie Watts, we have Sung Kang, we have James Marsden, we have Spike Ferriston, Kristen Lee, Derek Jenkins, a whole bunch of actors, celebrities, car crazy folks, people from in and outside the industry. It's going to be great and you can find it on podcastone.com or anywhere you find you listen to your favorite podcast. We're also doing a video series as well. That's on motortrend.com slash the inevitable or on youtube.com slash motortrend. Come join us. Hey guys, uh, welcome to CarCast. We're going to get into a Barrett-Jackson recap and some of the uh, other auctions at Scottsdale. It was a great event. It was a great party. Before we get started, a word from our friends at Geico. Hey Geico, do you own? Do you rent? Well, you do one or the other, right? You know, it's hard work out there. Owning, renting. You want to save some money? How about your bundle? Bundle your policies at Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle the homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you got so much to do already. Go to Geico.com. Get a quote. See just how much you could save at Geico. That is Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea. Uh, no Bill Goldberg today. Um, he's got a busy day. He's got stuff going on. He's got some bad weather, some other things. Uh, so it's just uh, me and Chris. Hey, Matt. Welcome back. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, yeah, big uh, big Barrett-Jackson week, big auction week in, in Arizona. Uh, the results were fantastic. Um, uh you know, as you can imagine, just a, an incredible event. Uh, I'll get into it a little bit before we kick it off. I just wanted to point out, if you guys haven't noticed, the 93 Ford Lightning that was on Bring a Trailer. Granted, low miles, 1,200 miles, but uh, it sold for 50500 bucks. Hey. And the Lightning market is starting to move. Lightning market, you know, Sean over there at the shop just picked up the GMC Cyclone. And uh, I know a lot of you listeners are familiar with the Cyclone. It's a badass truck from 91, I think it is. All-wheel drive. It's got the Grand National engine in it. Basically, the turbocharged engine's got an automatic in it, and it only came that way. And we've brought it up several times in the past because of Jay Leno's story that he already to- always told back in the day is uh, around early 90s when the truck was new, Leno went to go to – he went to get a Christmas tree, and he went and got – he went to the Christmas tree lot like in Burbank. And he's like, great, I want this tree. Here's my address. Deliver it. And they're like, we don't deliver. And he literally looks around and across the street is a GMC dealer. (laughs) And he walks across the street and he sees a little pickup truck. And he's like, I'll take that. And he went over there and bought it, drove across the street, picked up his Christmas tree and brought it home. And still to this day, of course, he has his GMC Cyclone. It's great. It's mint condition. And uh, he says it's like his rainy day vehicle because it's small and lightweight and all-wheel drive and, uh, you know, it, he still has it. Looks great. Yeah, it's a it, huge cargo. You can zip around in it if you want. Uh, yeah, it, it it doesn't hold a lot of weight. Like it was really weird for a pickup truck where like it only has like a max payload of like five hundred pounds because it's lowered <laughs> and it doesn't really tow much of anything at all. But it's great for a Christmas tree. It must and, be nice to just like <laughs> oh, I need to transport this Christmas tree. I'm, oh, there's a truck. For there's sale. a truck for sale right across the street, and it turned out to be like a badass cyclone, yeah. which he probably knew what it was at the time. Good like for him. Yeah. he went over there and he was like this is the truck with the grand national engine he's like yeah all right i'll take that this will be fun to have one day and you know it's kind of very plasticky in the inside and it was very dated like at the time i'm sure it even kind of seemed a little cool but it was just all about the powertrain in that car right and yeah so sean just got one i i sean had 
a, a client that had it for a long time, doesn't have a lot of miles, really clean, put it in storage, and, and Sean had done some work on it over the years for this client. And then finally the guy was like, it's for sale, and he literally pulled it out of like a shipping container where the guy stored it on like like four rotten old bald tires <laughs> covered in dirt, and Sean just got it and uh, cleaned it up and excited about it. But those things are moving, man. The, the, the price of those, the Lightnings, the Ram SRT tens, uh, all those all those trucks are really kind of starting to move. I just think it's maybe a timing thing, more of a nostalgia thing. Like so many things in the nineties, uh, you know, guys in their you know early to mid you know to late forties, that was kind of our high school era. And now we're looking at the cool cars that we looked at, you know, in high school, and going yeah. now that we're older. And we can kind of afford them, even though they're way more expensive <laughs> than they used to be. They're like, these are kind of cool pieces to have, more for the memories and the story and the nostalgia than than anything else. But, you know, like Sean, I don't know, Sean kind of bought it. And I was like, are you going to? Are you going to hold on to it? He's like, I don't know. He's like, I think I'll hold on to it. When it hits $100,000, I'll sell it. I go, well, that might be sooner than you think. He's like, well, it is what it is. So I kind of like that idea. And that's kind of what was going on at, at Bear Jackson as well. I mean, cars were going for, for some pretty big numbers. But I'll tell you, it really helps – to get up on these cars in person and look at them, uh, especially in a fast-paced environment like like a live auction. You know, when you're looking at cars that bring a trailer, you know, certainly one of the things we like about bring a trailer is for the most part, people that list them are pretty good at listing the flaws along with all of its good attributes. And, you know, listings have hundreds of photos now, and people just, to the extent they can, they're or willing. Most people seem to be willing. They're very forthcoming on here's a few issues with the car, as expected or not expected. For the most part, it's just like a little wear and tear, it's a couple little things, maybe chipping a windshield, you know, a little surface rust coming through. Like, just know what you're getting. You know, at Barrett Jackson, you see these cars. A lot, any of these auctions, Meekum, whatever, you see these cars roll across the block, especially on TV, under the lights and crowds of people. Everything looks good. That's It's supposed to, right? Like nobody goes on TV without putting the makeup on and the hair on and getting the haircut. It's like you're watching some action movie and you see, you know, Tom Cruise running around as, as Jack Reacher for a month. You're like, his hair is always perfect. It's like, yeah, because every morning someone's like shaving the neck and, you know, putting the makeup don't on. Don't ruin it for me. Yeah. Don't, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it doesn't normally just look like that all no. the way, all the time. Sorry, Chris. But there's some cars there. Like, I think I saw, like, I think it was a red Ram SRT10, the Viper engine truck. I think it went for like $60,000. But you get up on that truck. There was a ding in every panel on that thing. That thing was thirty four thousand dollar truck all day long. And in that case, somebody paid way too much for that thing. You know, great. I'm hope that I, I hope they're happy with it. Maybe they want to fix it again. Maybe there's a nostalgia element to it. Uh, but it helps to to get all of the details on those cars or deep dive into all of the photos and the description. Uh, but there were some good buys as well. There was a few cars that kind of slipped under the radar, and there was a few cars that kind of went bonkers. Um, I'll get into a few of them. They got the uh, – here's basically crunching the numbers. So it was the 50th anniversary of Barrett-Jackson. It was their biggest, most successful event ever in the company's history. Total sales were $203,200,000. Uh, and Pitbull showed up. <laughs> Barry the lead there. Yeah, Pitbull showed up, and he was a hype man. And uh, But he did, he did the right thing. He sold a car. But he sold the car for charity, right? And the charity cars always pull really big numbers. Yeah. So he had a, a karma, like a Fisker karma. I don't even know if it was the Fisker karma. It was like after Fisker. I think he just had the karma. I don't know it's a particularly good car. I don't know that it's a particularly expensive car. But, uh, you know, 
Pitbull showed up and they blasted music and the crowd went nuts. I swear half the crowd doesn't know who Pitbull is, but uh, but he's a hype man and he's good at it. And he got the crowd going and they got a ton of money for this car. I don't know, hundreds of thousands of dollars for this car. Yeah, so it's it's a 2022 Karma GS6. They called it the Mr. 305 edition. Sold for $500,000. Yes. Now, this is a good thing. So let's just say, let's just all pretend for a minute that you're super rich. <laughs> pretend that you're super rich, Chris. Take a second. Okay. Go ahead. Get in yeah. there. It's going to take a minute. Get in yeah, there. Okay. Get in there. You have a really big income. So you want to, at the end of the year or whatever, make a few donations to charity Maybe offset your big tax bill by donating to charity. It helps you control where some of the money goes, the charity's benefit. It's win-win. The fun way of doing that is going to an event like Barrett-Jackson and bidding on one of the charity cars because then you're buying the car and you're giving all the extra money to charity. So this particular car, you would pay – market value. So if the car was worth 80 grand and you paid 500, you're paying the fee of 80 grand and then you're donating 420,000 which talk to your tax guy, whatever you can write off, whatever. Now it's a win for Pitbull as well because he's donating the car to that charity cause. So he gets the write-off on the car yeah. and then the buyer gets the write-off on anything above the market value of that car. Right. <laughs> so Rick Hendrick, uh, Rick Hendrick always buys, uh, you know, uh, owns dealers, NASCAR teams, very successful billionaire in the, in the car world. He likes to go into this, uh, to Barrett Jackson almost every single year and buys like VIN one of, whatever GM vehicle is happening up there. Right. He's got a bunch of Chevy dealers and every year Ford, uh, GM, um, a couple of other companies, sometimes Toyota, they say, hey, we've got VIN 1 of the GT500 or VIN 1 of the Corvette. Uh, what you're buying is we we rolled out a prototype. And what you're buying is, is when we do production, you get VIN number one, you're invited to the factory, you get to see it built. And when it's done, it's you know serial number 0001. And you get that car and you get to... You know, Craig Jackson's bought a few of those as well. I saw them all in his private collection. So Rick Hendrick is usually there buying VIN number one of those cars. It's a big part of his collection. And then he was down on the floor like, ah, I don't know, front row or something. And then there was a guy up in the skybox sitting just a couple tables down from us, really wanted VIN number one of the Corvette Z06, the new Corvette Z06. Everybody in the room is like, this is going to be huge dollars. It's going to be a million-dollar car. And Boom, boom, boom. This thing's million, million, five, million, Jeez. seven, two million, <laughs> two, five, two, eight, three million. And at, at one point, it I, I don't think either one of these guys expected it, but it only takes two people in the room. Yeah. And I think somewhere the guy up in the skybox realized he was bidding against Rick Hendrick and was doing the math and going... <laughs> We're both well-funded. Sure, you have to be at this point. But he's like, but Rick has every VIN 1, so he's not going to let it go. Well, he drove up the price, wow. $3.6 million. Oh if the sticker on that car is, I don't know, let's figure every single option, carbon fiber, track package, whatever, maybe it's $140,000, $150,000. Well, he's going to pay sticker price, and then he's going to have to write off three million five hundred and. $60,000 or whatever it's going to end up being. And that only applies, Chris, if you make a shit ton of money every year. <laughs> yeah, when you asked me to imagine myself being filthy rich, I didn't even think that high. Like, that's <laughs> yes. higher than what I imagined. Yes. This doesn't mean you make four or five million a year. <laughs> Not that we do. This is, you know, you got to be making a lot of money every year for that kind of write-off. But yeah, Rick Hendricks swooped up that car. I love how yeah he can just see Rick's demand and just his his need for that you, you can tell so it's I like, love okay, it I love it uh, of course the room goes nuts it's oh, very exciting in there how how was the vibe over there um, you know with this with the you know with how SEMA was and PRI and yeah like it, that. so SEMA had uh, I don't I don't want to say a mask mandate it had a 
mask request, right? So people were still kind of on the fence and also like a little nervous, like, should I be wearing a mask? Do I not wear a mask? Obviously, you could do whatever I want. And do the vendors, you know, wear masks? Like, what's going on for the presenters? Sure. Sorry, the exhibitors. Uh, so it was a little different. This was closer to a, a PRI, I think, um, out there. I don't believe there was a mask mandate. We kind of fell right into that window before Decepticon or whatever the thing's called. And uh, <laughs> One of the Transformers. One of the yeah. Transformers. So we kind of fell into that window. Yeah. Um, and now with with this new variant, we're kind of like, all right, masks help. Vaccinations help. Closing down businesses did nothing and does not help. So so I think we're kind of over that part of it, right? If you want to wear the mask, right. you want to get vaxxed, you want to get the one shot, two shot, booster shots, you want a fourth booster, do whatever you're comfortable with. I really don't have strong opinions about it. But the shutting down of the businesses doesn't really fly anymore because so many companies were out of business and it didn't really move the needle. Two weeks to, you know, to, to flatten the curve, that didn't really apply. So... The whole idea of doing an event like this, everybody was there. Everyone was desperate to go out to a, yeah. a cool event like this. Keep in mind that so much of the event is outdoors. It's more like a carnival than anything else. There's funnel cakes and giant chicken legs or turkey <laughs> legs or whatever, you know, like, and all the exhibitors that are under a tent, the tent is. I don't know, 40, 50 feet high, and it's just massive, and they're just pumping air through that thing to move air around, and that much airflow through the tents definitely contributes to, to um, what am I thinking of, of, of evaporating, you know, yeah. anything in, in the air, right? So... Yeah, it's like filtering everything out. Yeah, and, like and then they, they fly the drones every night, and they spray everything. If that still does anything, who knows? Sure. But at least it, it, it can't hurt. Was, uh, so there was no like capacity limitation? There wasn't a capacity like limitation. I, honestly, I think not a capacity limitation because of COVID or anything like that. I think they were hitting a capacity limitation just on how many people the fire marshal would allow <laughs> in, in the building under yeah. the tent. Uh, I heard that they stopped selling tickets at the door on Friday. Saturday is usually the biggest day, the end of the weekend, Saturday. People are off work, but I don't know, in this world of Zoom and going to your, going to work with, you know, with your, with your button shirt and tie, but your shorts on and your Zoom call, like, I think people are just like, I'm just not going to go, or I'm just going to go to Barrett for a couple of hours. Uh, but the place, was absolutely packed. I don't have the attendance numbers yet. I think they're trying to still crunch those numbers. That must mean it's a lot. If they, if but they it, out. it was massive, a massive event. And uh, I got to get up into the Skybox area, uh, Craig Jackson's Skybox. A bunch of the bidders and stuff are in there. And then there's a bunch of, when you see on TV, all the other Skyboxes are sponsored or VIP tickets. And then one section is um, guests. And looking down on the main floor where all the seats are, where a lot of the bidders are, it just looked like it was completely full. Like, especially most of Friday, all of Saturday, just full, just capacity, which is fun, though, because when you get a big car going and the numbers are going up and up and up, the room gets really excited. They start yeah. cheering and then, you know, people spend more money and the booze is flowing <laughs> yeah. and dollars are rolling in. Good energy. And good energy. And I always love when... when when Craig Jackson has his sights on a car and he's like, let's just say, for example, he's expecting a million bucks and this thing's around 600. And then he'll like kind of stop the auction, be like, someone's going to steal this car at 600,000. He goes, this thing is 1.4 million all day long. Get those bids off. Come on, come on. He's just kind of cheerleader. He always gets an extra couple hundred grand out of it. And, uh, uh, and it goes, so it was a fantastic event. So, uh, uh, it seems like every year I get out there with uh, Brad Fanshaw, my co-host on Shift and Steer. He's been here a bunch of times. Uh, Brad has a crew. Uh, I go with a couple people um, as well. Uh, Courtney Hansen, of course, is there. It's always great to meet up with her. Ken Lingenfelter, I think he lives there. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's got his own reserve table uh, oh, sure. up there. Um uh, Tim Allen was uh, was with the crew. Um, he's been there as part of the crew for for a long time. He's got a bunch of his friends 
there as car brokers. His brother was there. Uh, Aunt Anstead showed up. We've seen him there a bunch of times over the years. Brought his girlfriend, Renee Zellweger, so met her. Uh, wow. She's lovely, by the way. And uh, uh, I think she enjoyed just the whole vibe of this thing. I don't think she had any idea of like how massive like this type of event would be. So I think that was kind of exciting. Um, talked to Cody Walker. It was good to see him again. He was up there. And uh uh, a bunch of other people and about, you know, the TV show guys, the car TV show guys, the count of this show and the whatever of that show. And everybody's nice and it's a good vibe. Yeah. But, you know, we've always kind of said before, every time we go to Monterey and we go to the auctions, go to the car events, go to the track is the car world is sort of the great mediator of of people. You know, no one's really there or really talking politics or COVID or work or recession or, you know, or inflation or just and this and that. Everyone's there just having a good time and everyone's really just talking about cars, right? Yeah. Everyone's just like talking about the cars and flipping through the catalog and like, I had one of these in the day or this is going to hit a big number or that was well bought or that was well sold. Like, it's just the conversation of of what's going on for the event. Oh, I love that. And and, and it makes it so much fun. Like, it doesn't matter who it is. Everyone's like, hey, how you doing? How'd you do? You know, it's like, oh, I'm bidding on this. I'm not bidding on this this year. And, you know, I walked around the vendor's uh, Goldberg's not here. He's not on the show today. So we're going to let the cat out of the bag. He's building his, uh, his super garage, which is no secret, but I've been looking for a while to find some sort of gift for him. And, uh, there's some cool signs and things. I'm always very sensitive to like, the signs that you put up and the displays and the memorabilia that you put up in the garages, right? You got the big vintage gas pumps and you got the neon signs and a lot of that, excuse me, a lot of that stuff is cool. But for the, some of the vintage pieces, I don't really love the repop versions, like the reproductions. I like the real vintage ones that have been restored and have a little bit of a story to it. And then there's some modern day signage that I think kind of fits. So um, uh, there's a lot of garage signs that are very common and it's kind of like the stamped tin, right? It's like a, it's almost like a soda can, a little bit thicker. It's stamped like a Holly logo or an Edelbrock logo. Yeah. And then it's painted and it's got this cool, like kind of tin sign that you can hang. And it kind of looks vintage, yeah, but it it's a like modern a day version. Design, yeah. And I, I thought about something for that, but I heard about this company that uh, makes like a really good sign. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna find it because I don't want to screw up the name of the of the company. But uh, uh, I'm gonna scroll up my yeah. phone here. Did you get him a motorator sign, man? I I, I didn't, but <laughs> I, I I talked to this company. I was like, can you make me one of those? Um, <laughs> I think it's called Chrome Domes. Chrome Domes, D-O-M-Z. They had a really cool uh, Hellcat Red Eye logo and the Dodge Demon logo. Oh, that's awesome. But it's it's like a, a heavy, heavy gauge uh, stainless steel, and then they do some like painting or powder coating on certain areas of it. It's just thick, and it's got like Allen heads and rivets, and just like it's a beefy, beefy sign. Not inexpensive, so. Uh, uh, in the mail, hopefully by the time uh, this show comes out, I, I got Bill a Hellcat Red Eye and a Demon sign. Uh, it's kind of a chrome with black accents and then the Red Eye on the Red Eye version. So That's a those. perfect gift for him. I, like, I, yeah, it, it's, it's, it just screams Goldberg. It does, but it's heavy. You know, like it's heavy and it's beefy. Yeah. And uh, uh, it's a little something for his garage, so that's gonna that's gonna end up in in the mail over there. And since I was in there shopping, um, grabbed uh, I grabbed an SVT sign. So the SVT Cobra that I have, my '93 Cobra and the Lightning, were both SVT, which was Special Vehicle Team, was the division that Ford uh, built for their hot street car. So it was kind of like AMG or you know yeah. BMW's M division. Uh, so we've, I got that one and a, uh, Shelby snake logo because the snake is on the Cobra. And then I just bought my sack car, my Shelby, Shelby sack yeah, car. So, right. uh, so I got a couple signages for that and you can always like go by the guy and we're like, Hey, do you have the painting of my car? But 
with the plaque with the you know the serial number and the VIN number and you get sort of that thing. There's always those guys and stuff as well. Also, you could walk through Barrett Jackson and buy a $25,000 table that has an engine underneath it or a coffee table for $15,000 that has glow in the dark cylinder heads or, you know, kind of light up. Like it's really, really cool stuff, but some pretty pricey stuff. So, uh, that's a big part of the event as well. You go under the massive tent and the, the vendor booths, uh, you know, you could go in there, you could get anything from, you know, a picture, a frame picture to uh, an airplane. <laughs> you know, at the end they had a uh, Cirrus. Cirrus is that the some range? Is that the plane? Cirrus. Cirrus. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't beach. I'm guessing yeah. you didn't buy a plane if you didn't. If you don't even know. No, no. But uh, the prop plane was like, no, no. This one's good. This will get you where you want to go. It's a million dollars. So they go. <laughs> but we also got the little jet. The little. Yeah. Oh, you've seen it. Uh, they. Uh, it's the little like six passenger jet with the parachute in it. So like if your if your uh, your pilot passes out, it has a parachute in the nose. I think he said that one was three million. Oh, and it's Cirrus, yeah, yeah, Cirrus, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we we saw the jets. You could buy a helicopter while you're there. Um, I posted up on uh, on social media as well on my account at Motorator. Um, ran into our friend John Hennessy and. He was like, have you seen the F5, his supercar, in person yet? I said, I just walked by. I saw it out there. Um, your first customer car. He's like, I was like, it looks gorgeous. He was like, well, come over and I'll fire it up for you. And I was like, great. So we got a little video of, of him firing up uh, the Venom F5. Wow. What would you think? It, it sounds fantastic. Um, seeing the car up close and in person, I would say – it's it's better than I expected. The fit and finish has come a long way over the years from his first supercar. Uh, the performance numbers, I believe he's hit 250 miles an hour in it already. And that's with the boost dialed down because they've been doing testing. And as they're testing the motor, they're also testing the aero and making sure that this car is going to stick to the ground. Um, but he's going after 500 kilometers because that's a nice round number, which comes out to... I think 311 miles an hour. So he wants to break the 300 mile an hour mark <laughs> with this car. Uh, but it's, it's impressive. He's, he's, you know, he's long from being the, the tuner shop. You know, he's got all the cool tuner vehicles that he's doing in the school and it helps to own a track and have it in your backyard. Uh, he has a racetrack in the back of, of the place there. And that has to be, v- completely vital for the for the development of this type of car you constantly have to test and be able to do it in your backyard so um that was fantastic it's uh, the car was the the entire event was was massive i would say as much as we enjoy going to rm i went to rm as well rm is great it's at the biltmore hotel they've really just got the best of the best cars out there and you can kind of walk around because all the cars are outside, just sort of on display, almost like an outdoor art exhibit. You have to have a pass to get into the bidders room. It's not really a spectator event. It's for bidders. Uh, So we were there for a little bit. But being able to walk around the cars and anybody can go and see them, uh, fantastic event. Definitely go and check one of those out. But the party is is at Barrett-Jackson, right? I... I went out there, so Bravago, our, our hard seltzer, we, we sponsored the, um, the small VIP event. Uh, it's about 170, maybe 200 people. And it was at Craig Jackson's private car collection, which I knew he had his car collection at his house. But I kept thinking over the years, like, oh, you bought the Bugatti, you bought VIN number this, and you got the Shelby, and you got uh, a Little Red, and you've got uh, the Green Hornet Shelbys that you did the documentaries on. I was like, where are all of these cars? I found them. <laughs> I found them. They're in a building in Scottsdale. That is, is, yeah. is the family. It's the family collection, and he's got like the family, like finance guy or whatever. They just kind of work out of that building, and he's got lifts and stacks of cars up there. And he held a party there. We had some bravado there on site. Uh, that was a great way to kick things off the first weekend, and then the gala event, which is under the tent at the auction. Uh, is the Sunday night when they kick off the uh, the first week when they kick off the auction event, and it's a huge party. There's six thousand people, and just 
uh, food stations everywhere, uh, you know, uh, burgers and pizza and sushi and tacos and, and just a massive bar in the middle. It's just flowing and everyone's <laughs> having a great time. The, the thing that is interesting to me, though, is I believe the gala event long ago used to be a gala event, like sit-down tables and whatever, 10 people do a table. And, yeah, a little more formal. And it's definitely turned into this big party, but they still call it a gala event. So in my mind, I think you should not wear shorts and a hoodie. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I think you should respect the event and maybe, you know, put on some some pants. I get it. It's in Arizona, so jeans and boots are formal wear. But uh, but maybe a sport coat. You know, maybe sure. just something. Something, something with a button. Yeah, something. Yeah. yeah, something that says I showered today. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, and it was a little hit or miss on the attire. You know. Oh um, wow! Yeah. But you know, yeah. it used to be back in the day as well, where it, you know the girls always looked fantastic. The guys. You kind of just go, oh, the guy, look at the shoes, look at the watch, right? Look at the shoes and the watch. Yeah. All right. Well, shoes are out, right? Now it's $300 sneakers, right? So you can't really tell, like, is that like a really expensive pair of sneakers unless you're uh, into sneakers, yeah, yeah. right? Is that really expensive sneakers or not? And and then the guys are like, oh, I'm just going to wear like jeans and a t-shirt. And now you're like, I don't know if that t-shirt's $400 or what's going on. So now it just comes down to the watch. Uh, anybody that's sitting there like sharing a high top table with you walks up with a plate of tacos. And then you're like, oh, that's a $180,000 watch, you know, so you're here to spend some money. Yeah. You're not here just to eat taco. That so t-shirt is that t-shirt is probably <laughs> a lot more, or he doesn't care because he knows yeah. he's got the watch. Exactly. And, and, and I get it. The watch is for guys. The watch is, it's, it's showing off your car, but just a different type of art piece. Like you get the cool cars, which are at this event and you show it off. You, you know, you build garages, you build warehouses, you invite all your friends over and you have, you know, football get-togethers and all that stuff. But now the watch is the other version of that. And it has been for a long time. We see it at uh, at the oh, Quail yeah, and everything. Pebble, yeah. But unlike Pebble, it's not it's not a loafer show. It's not Sonny running around getting pictures of everyone's loafers, <laughs> because you can tell by the loafers. It's just the watch. But uh, anyway, so here's, a, here's some of the big numbers. We said it was... $203 million in total sales, $196 million, 195.9 to be specific, came from the cars, 1,857 cars. Everything was no reserve, so there's a 100% sell-through rate. The average vehicle price was $105,517. 10 cars, this is a record for Barrett-Jackson, 10 cars that are not charity cars, 10 sales broke over $1 million each. <laughs> they raised $8.8 million for charity, uh, including that big 306. Thank you, Rick Hendrick, $3.6 million. <laughs> you definitely uh, pushed the number. By the way, they... Uh, we know there's a 10% VIG on everything out there, not on the charity cars, just to be clear, to Barrett-Jackson's credit, there's no fees involved with the charity cars. That would right. be silly. They understand that. So uh, $7.3 million in automobilia. So those are the real gas signs and the yeah. jukeboxes and all the restored pieces, uh, all the good stuff there. Wow. Um, now, some of the top cars, I've got the list of top 10, which I was kind of – Surprise! I wasn't surprised by the list of top 10. I was a little surprised by the order of top 10 cars. Um, there's a 67 Shelby GT or Shelby 427, 427 Cobra, uh, $1.2 uh, million. Um, that was good. And then a Mercedes G63 6x6. Um, it's a 2014. Obviously, it's not new. Uh, this is just my opinion. It's stupid. This, the whole thing is dumb. The G-Wagon already is kind of silly. The 6x6 is dumb. Just, I don't know what it is. It's like, I don't know, a YouTuber buys it, and they want to say they spent $1,210,000 on a silly, goofy <laughs> truck. Uh, 
I clearly I'm not the right audience for it, so I I I know somebody bought it and loves it, and that's good. Uh, but eight on the list was the 4GT Carbon Edition, the Carbon Series. Now this one surprised me. It was one million three hundred seventy-five thousand. But the other two cars that are on this list, number seven and number five are 4GT Heritage cars. That's the Gulf livery one and then the black one with the meatball on it. Cool paint jobs, but the Carbon GT series is the raw carbon one. It's got the carbon fiber wheels. It was more expensive, I believe, when it was new. (coughs) Excuse me. It had more options on it. I just thought that was the more special car. So the the Carbon GT series sold for 1375000 the 66 Heritage GT edition was 1430000 and then the 2019 Ford GT Heritage was 1650000 So, yeah, uh, within a couple of hundred thousand, you know, about 300000 of of each other. But I thought the Carbon GT car would, would pull more money. I think the flaw in it was it was painted black and had the raw carbon fiber stripes. And as much as cool as it looked, the whole point of the the GT package is the carbon fiber body. They all have a carbon fiber body, but when you see the weave line up on those really complex curves, that's what makes the car stand out. When they designed the Ford GT, that Ford, uh, the Ford, the uh, the door. It comes down kind of straight, and then it kind of curves and kicks out 90, and then it curves and kicks out 90 again, going down to where the rocker panel is. And even talking with the designers that were here years ago when we were doing a documentary, they were like, you can only do that in carbon fiber. If you did that in steel or aluminum, those curves would thin out too much. You'd have to start with a much thicker piece of aluminum so those t- those curves wouldn't thin out too much, and then it would be too heavy, and part of it would be too thick. Right. You know, so we actually – wanted to use carbon fiber because we knew that would be the only way of doing it. I was like, great. So now you made a really good argument for carbon fiber other than just strength and lightweight. I've seen when they announced the carbon edition, they showed a picture of the car in all carbon fiber and it looked cool. So this car being black with the carbon fiber racing stripes down the middle, I think it should have been flipped. I think the whole body should have been raw carbon fiber with the black racing stripes going down the middle and then the whole thing just a polished clear coat. That would have looked badass Yeah, because the stripes going over the top don't show all of the cool curves where that carbon fiber would have been. So I would have flipped it and I think this thing would have pulled money because you'd be standing there going, that's... That's really, really good quality stuff. That's what makes it stand apart. When you drive the Bugatti uh, Chiron, I drove the Bugatti uh, Chiron, Chiron, the Pure Sport. They had one there painted up, and then they had one there that was like two-thirds painted, and like a third of it had like raw carbon fiber on the side. And I looked at the window sticker, and the carbon fiber, which means it wasn't painted, was like a... Two hundred or two hundred twenty thousand dollar option, and I was like, "Dude, come on! You remove paint. You didn't paint it, <laughs> and it cost that much." And they said, "They said when we do the fully painted cars, we lay up the carbon fiber. It's the same strength, same everything, except." We don't have to pay attention to making that weave being perfect uh, when we expose yeah. the carbon fiber. Now it all has to be hand done and paid attention to. You know, we were talking about the guys at the gala event. You buy a normal suit and you can see any patterns on the suit don't normally line up where, you know, where the sleeve is attached to the shoulder or especially on the inside, a liner, you know, where the sleeves and the liner don't attach. But on a really expensive suit, the patterns are always matched. Yeah. Like they they specifically line them up uh, because if you don't line them up, you don't have as much much wasted material. You don't have to cut and line them up and do whatever. So getting the carbon fiber perfect on exposed carbon fiber makes all the difference in the world. It can't be wavy. It has to be perfectly lined up, and the seams need to be yeah, right. uniform. Yeah. yeah. So in a Bugatti, it costs an extra 200 and something thousand dollars. <laughs> so my point on the carbon GT was 
they're going to do that on that car. So why not expose as much of it as possible? I said carbon fiber with the black stripes reversed would have been cool, but all carbon fiber with the two red stripes down the middle that would, would make great. that thing stand out. Yeah, uh, it, would, it would. It would have this cool kind of charcoal gray pattern with the red stripes. It would look. It would look badass. So anyway, that was on the list. Uh, number six was the McLaren Senna. Um, this went for $1,512,500. The Senna last year, um, uh, Peter Klute bought it from Legendary Motorcars. We talked about it. He paid just under a million bucks for it. Um, I talked to him uh, last week at Barrett. He had already sold it, made a little profit. Oh. This one jumping to $1.5 million, it did have a, uh, a paint of paint to order color on it. It had a kind of a cool liquid silver on it that looked really good. I don't know if it's worth a half a million dollars in special paint, but maybe these are starting to move up a little bit. Uh, cool car, but the McLaren P1, 1.7 million, 1 million seven hundred five thousand dollars jay leno's going to be happy pretty sure he bought his for sticker probably <laughs> made about a million uh, almost seven hundred thousand dollars on his car whatever it was i think they were about a million bucks uh i don't know for sure but i heard that um uh craig jackson bought this car he was up on stage and he was doing the whole thing and when this car rolled up on the block he got off the stage walked down the stairs sat in the audience with everybody else and raised his hand a bit on the car <laughs> Uh, I guess that's how you get it done. Uh, number two, or number three on the list, the Porsche 918. Uh, this is their supercar hybrid, $1,815,000. Number two on the list is what I thought was going to be number one on the list. It is the Mercedes Gullwing, the 300 SL Gullwing, $1,870,000. Now, the all-alloy car, right, basically looks the same, but it has, uh, I think, the, the different wheels and the alloy body. That sold at, I don't know if it was RM or Bonhams, for for like $7 million. So that's the difference between having the rare alloy car, like 35 made versus the normal Gullwing, which is $1.8 million, almost $1.9 with the regular body. Number one on the list was the 2004 Porsche Carrera GT, right? Everybody knows this car because, unfortunately, this is the car that Paul Walker died yes. in. Um, I thought the 918 could get more than the Carrera GT. I really thought the Gullwing was going to hit $2 million. The Carrera GT, $1,980,000. So that's kind of the uh, the Barrett-Jackson lineup. But there were some... There were some cool cars. There were some wacky cars. I was sitting next to Aaron and Randall Shelby. And this K5 Blazer comes up on the block. It's a cool piece. Sells for $400,000. Right after that, in original 67, Shelby GT500 KR comes up. Sells for $280,000. Way less than the Blazer. <laughs> and Aaron's like, that's a lot of money for that Shelby. I was like, why would you want the Blazer when the Shelby is right there? I think the car before it was like a 63 split window Corvette, which sold for like 200 something or $300,000. I'm like, get the Corvette and the Shelby. <laughs> Forget the Blazer. But I don't know. Somebody really liked that damn thing. It's wacky. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I saw uh, the Pacer from Wayne's World. That did. What did it go for? Like seventy thousand? I, th- I think it was like seventy, sixty, or seventy thousand. Maybe with the Vig on it, it was like seventy thousand. I went and I saw the car. It was the legit car. It had the, uh, it had like the red vines uh, dispenser in the roof, and it had like the Slurpee cup or whatever the soda soda cup holder popping out of the dash. Um, you know, it's. It's yeah. fun. It was a fun little piece of memorabilia. Yeah, seventy one five. Seventy one five. Yeah. Oh, by the way, we talked about the Grand Nationals, right? The Grand Nationals are the GNXs are getting, I don't know, two, two fifty on on bring a trailer. And we talked about the very last uh Grand National built uh where they signed it. Where they signed it, yeah. you know, the the 
the guy and his wife, the couple out of Florida, they went to the plant and they saw that and they finished the production and they had a little party for them. Everybody signed it and they brought it home and built a room for it at their house and it sat there the never whole time. Moved it never after moved. That, yeah. And like 30 miles on it, which is funny because they fired it up and drove it on the auction block. It's like, ah, it's got 31 miles on it now. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think. I think it hammered for $500,000, so it was like 550000 all in. And the room was going nuts when it was creeping up on on $500,000. And the auctioneer, he wanted five hundred. He worked for it because he was like, four eighty, four eighty five. It's like, Just come squeezing. on, come on. Yeah. And the crowd's getting, you know, he's getting the... When the room starts cheering, everyone like puts down their drink and turns their head to see what's going on. And I just think that gets... The bidder's excited. Look, if it's 480 and you haven't bid on it, you're not going to jump in at 485. Like you already knew, like what you were, you know, you saw it in the catalog, you knew we were going to bid on it. But if you were at 485 and that room is going nuts and there's 10,000 people screaming, yeah, you go to 500. Yeah. <laughs> you go to 500. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was cool to see that car. Those Eleanor Mustangs, those things are batshit crazy, going for over $300,000 for those gone in 60-second cars. They're cool, but anybody can make one, and they all look the same. So it is kind of interesting. It's like, all right, you. it's a cool car. I get it. And you can kind of drive it because most of them have very modern drivetrains and stuff in it. But – I don't know, three hundred and thirty, three hundred and fifty thousand for one of those when the real Shelby GT five hundred KR was two eighty. It's like I kind of feel like get the real one. And I don't know. I was hearing about a really ridiculous licensing fee if you want one of the officially licensed ones. You don't have to get an officially licensed one. You could just build one or you can buy one that's already built. But I think the fee is expensive, like thirty thousand dollars. So uh, I I don't know if it's a fair fee, but I guess you know, like everything, if if you say it's thirty and somebody pays it, then it's thirty. So <laughs> I guess that's it is what it is. But uh, anyway, those were moving. But it was just like one goes up for three hundred thirty, then ten minutes later another one goes up and it's three hundred or two ninety or three ten. I was like, all right, we just saw that car. <laughs> you know. So anyway, I just feel like there's too many of those. Uh, somebody bought early Broncos are nuts. Doesn't matter the condition. Some of them were terrible. Some of them were just like somebody did some body work on it. You can see body filler in it. It's not even completely sanded down. You see the streaks underneath it. Somebody painted over it. Uh, the the bed stakes like in the back where all the soft tops rusted inside. Nobody nobody cleaned it up when they were doing the paintwork. Sells for one hundred forty thousand. Wow. I don't get it. Like <laughs> I I, I like the early Broncos. They're cool and there's some nice ones there, but shit ones are 140,000 and nice ones are 160. So make sure you know what you're buying. Definitely that's one of those vehicles where the example is you know what we were saying before, like definitely do your homework on those cars. Go through hundreds of photos. Yeah. Get up on it if you get a chance to know what you're buying. And buyers for these things, you know, you're seeing some pretty cool like Coyote Swap, 6-speed automatic transmissions, and then some with, you know, Ford 302s and carburetors or both on fuel injection. Okay, it's cool, but there hasn't been a big price difference between them. And the Coyote Swap and the modern electronics and the modern transmission is more money. So just think about that. If you're, you know, if you're looking at two Broncos that are both $130,000, one's got a coyote swap and the other one doesn't, well, you either talk down the price of the other one with this $1200 motor or you, you know, or you get the coyote swap that has a $10,000 engine and transmission swap in it. Yeah. So just a little something to think about because people are getting a little head over heels over these Broncos and I like one, I'd like to get one, I'd like to build one or something, but not at those prices. And then the other crazy thing on the Bronco world is the new Ford Bronco. You could still you could buy them. You can get your order in. You can wait. Some people are paying markup. Some people aren't paying markup. I think the dealers are starting to settle a little bit on that thought. Um, I talked to several people that got orders in and bought them. And some recently as a month ago put an order in and uh, no markup. So just keep that in mind. They're going, to pl- they're going to make plenty of Broncos. They want good customers. They want to sell them a bunch of accessories. No markup. You can get a Bronco, new Bronco for no markup. Uh, 
Great. Somebody bring one, brings one to Barrett-Jackson. It's great. Badlands, big tires, blue, brand new window sticker on it. I don't know. It's a $60,000 truck. Somebody paid double. $121,000 wow. because they oh, wanted to no. have it today. Jeez. Right? They paid double the price on a bone stock brand new Bronco <laughs> that you can get for a sticker because they wanted to drive it home yeah, they on the weekend. Now. Yeah. I was like, I don't know, man. You could have <laughs> bought uh, one of those really nice reconditioned gas pumps for your garage yeah. for, for $60,000 and a Bronco for a sticker. So, uh, like I said, some things were well bought, some things were not. <laughs> but everybody had uh, a great time. Good. Everybody had a great time at the event. All right, let's uh, let's wrap this one up. Um, it was good. It was fun. I I posted a quick little story up on Instagram as well. You'll see my Shelby Mustang got loaded up. It's uh, I guess it's on an open trailer. I didn't really think that through at the time when I when the dealer was like, "Yeah, we'll take care of it for you." I was like, "Okay," but I'm going to bring it out here. We're going to do the. Uh, uh, I think we're going to do the dry ice blasting all underneath, and we're going to do a paint correction and just kind of clean up the car, whatever, get it all cleaned up. Now that I realize, it's like, well, open trailer is not big of a deal, but I realize it's coming from Jersey, and the picture they sent me, there's snow on the ground. So I don't know how you guys handle East Coast, but the salt and all that stuff, right, that eats away cars, I need to get all that shit off when it comes out here. So uh, hopefully uh, it arrives in in one piece. Uh, uh Thank you, uh, Haggerty, <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, for uh, for backing me on that car. I got that uh, got that insurance ready to go. Good, yeah. I can't um, wait to see what you do with it. Uh, so yeah, well, when we get that in, we'll fire it up and we'll pull it in the garage and we'll we'll get some uh, some videos of that. So it's on its way. We'll let you know how it goes. All right, guys, we're gonna wrap this up. Until next time, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. Hey, Geico, do you own? Do you rent? Well, you do one or the other, right? You know, it's hard work out there. Owning, renting, you want to save some money? How about your bundle? Bundle your policies at Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle the homeowners or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you got so much to do already. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, see just how much you could save at Geico. That is geico.com today. That's geico.com.